Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The history of psychotherapy is, in many ways, matched to the history of hypnosis. The term was first used in the 1840s to refer to a specific state of sleep. Then John Martin Charcot, in the 19th century, thought it was a special physiologic state. But it was Sigmund Freud, who, working with Charcot, who first developed the hypothesis that hypnosis can be used to help patients recover repressed memories. Freud noted that patients would relive traumatic events under the hypnosis and that sometimes the process would relieve them of the repressed emotions. Hypnosis is still a widely used clinical tool and here to help explain more of its theory and its practical use is Robert Heller, a psychologist who practices hypnotherapy in Palm Beach County. Dr. Heller, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. We see advertisements for hypnosis being used for obesity, smoking, phobias, anesthesia, chronic pain, and a whole host of other things. How is it that so many conditions respond to the same notion, to hypnosis? I guess the question is, what is hypnosis? Hypnosis can be thought of as a tool. And because it's a tool, it can be used with almost any kind of condition or situation that could be used without hypnosis. The notion of using hypnosis as a tool is that it seems to amplify or improve the rapidity and the effectiveness, oftentimes, of the results. We see, for most of us who really know of hypnosis but really don't know about hypnosis in any detail, that it seems that people are put into what is known as a trance, almost like they're semi-asleep. So what is hypnosis? What's the process and what's the state of being hypnotized? A simple way to understand hypnosis is it's a combination of relaxation and suggestion. And when the two are combined, for whatever reason, still not fully understood, it seems to provide a heightened learning for many individuals. The notion is like taking a magnifying glass in the sun and focusing it in a way where it narrows the rays in a very concentrated form. So hypnosis seems to have that ability in the hands of a properly trained hypnotherapist to allow clients, allow patients to better focus their thoughts and attention on those kinds of changes that they want to make in how they think, feel, or behave. We often also hear about the notion of who can be hypnotized and who cannot. And I've seen that there are even rating scales to try to predict who can be hypnotized. Is it true that not everybody can be hypnotized? Well, if you, if you think again of hypnosis as a relationship between the patient and the therapist, to some degree you need motivation, to some degree you need rapport. Beyond that, since hypnosis is largely a state of relaxation, almost everyone can be induced to some degree. Hypnosis for many people is a very natural and easy state to place themselves in. A natural state of hypnosis for some people is watching television and being so engrossed in whatever they're watching that the phone rings or the doorbell rings and they sort of hear it but they don't hear it. The third or fourth or fifth ring they pick it up and they're surprised that they didn't hear it right away. So their attention is so focused, they're so absorbed on one particular thing that all other things around them seem very distant, far away and unimportant. 
So to some degree, hypnosis is also kind of a talent or an ability that people have on a continuum. So on one end of the continuum, you have people who are extremely good at or have a very high potential to derive benefit from hypnosis as a therapeutic tool. On the other extreme, you have a relatively few people who for unknown reasons just aren't so responsive or talented. But the vast majority of people, probably 70-80%, are in a moderate range of potential where they can certainly get some benefit using hypnosis for almost anything. Using hypnosis as a therapeutic tool, we often hear the term that the therapist is giving a post-hypnotic suggestion. They tell a person how to think about something or how to react to something when they wake up. Is it teaching someone to do something when they're awake? Post-hypnotic suggestion is actually a little more specific and is not always used in hypnosis. For example, you might think of it as a cue or an association that when you're in the trance or in the office working with the therapist that at a later time when a certain clue or cue is given, the person will respond in a particular way. For example, if someone is taught how to relax comfortably and deeply in the therapist's office, a kind of cue might be a reminder that whenever they rub their thumb and forefinger together, they will immediately find themselves experiencing that same comfortable feeling of relaxation. So that the person, when they're in a situation where they want to evoke that feeling of relaxation because of the past suggestion, when they do rub their fingers together, they're able to more quickly, more rapidly experience that same feeling of relaxation. Is that relaxation then the reason that it is used in smoking or obesity, chronic pain? It just seems like it's used in such a wide variety of different conditions. Well, we know that in general, relaxation has enormous potential to heal as well as to focus the mind. The notion of relaxation is important, but again, for hypnosis, it's more the notion of the person's ability to become absorbed and to narrow their focus of attention. So the relaxation is used more to get the person into that maximum state of absorption and narrowness of attention, where theoretically then they can most benefit by the suggestions that are given. They carry with them, hopefully, some training or experience that helps them be able to not be afraid of something or not be drawn to the type of release of tension that could come from eating. Am I speaking correctly? The notion is whatever the direction is given, the association between the cue, such as rubbing the fingers together, and whatever the response is that you're looking for. Is hypnosis dangerous? Are there side effects to hypnosis? For the most part, there are no negative side effects for using hypnosis as a tool. The dangerous part comes if it's not incorporated within a professional context where in other words, it's relatively easy to help someone to relax or to get into a hypnotized state, but how you use the suggestions is very important, and whether you have an accurate diagnosis is very important. For example, if someone comes in and, and has symptoms of rapid heart, things of that nature, 
and you don't do a thorough diagnosis, theoretically, I mean, it's possible you could be missing a medical condition, which should be evaluated and treated medically and, and not trying to ignore the symptom or to calm it down through, through the mind. Which is very proper uh, of you to say, because it should not be prematurely assumed that this can fix everything. One has to be very careful about why you use hypnosis. The next question that comes to my mind is, are there different types of hypnosis? Are there different philosophies? Again, I'm speaking much more as a layperson who looks at hypnosis and says it seems like all they do is put you in a trance and try to talk about things that are upsetting. But over the course of the years, have there been schools of hypnosis or is it more or less just one school? Hypnosis is a tool that qualified health professionals utilize consistent with their level of training and area of expertise and theoretical orientation. So in the mental health area, there may be those who are more trained in psychodynamic approaches who would use hypnosis more to identify unconscious conflicts or to delve into early childhood experiences and so forth. On the other end of the spectrum might be cognitive behavioral therapists who use suggestion and hypnosis in a much more direct way to focus in on making direct changes in how a person thinks, feels, or behaves. How long do the effects of hypnosis last? It's important to understand hypnosis is typically not a one-shot process. Normally, a person comes in and you take a thorough comprehensive evaluation. If they're intending to use hypnosis either directly as a treatment modality or as an adjunct to the therapy, there needs to be some careful discussion about what hypnosis is and, and isn't. So you disabuse people of many of the myths that abound with hypnosis. And then people's motivation, their receptivity, their particular talents, the complexity of the conditions they come in with all have an effect on how effective and how temporary or permanent uh, the hypnosis suggestions might be. Most of the time, we make tapes of the sessions and over a period of repetitions, both in the office and then with the patient practicing at home, there's increased effectiveness through the repetition. I see also that there is a lot of discussion about the use of hypnosis amongst dentists with their patients, much more so than probably with other professions as well. It's interesting the dentists have looked so much to help people not be afraid of getting into the dental chair. That speaks to the notion of hypnosis and chronic pain. And we hear these incredible stories of people actually being operated on under hypnosis. It seems amazing. It's just amazing. Your thoughts about this? If you think of hypnosis as a tool to help people use their particular talents, and as I mentioned earlier, there's a small percentage who are extremely talented, maybe 10%, 15%, then in the hands of a, a trained clinician with expertise in hypnosis, you can sometimes get profound clinical uses. Some years ago, there was a 60-minute program or a program of that nature that videotaped a surgical procedure where a woman was being operated on without any general anesthesia. And as the surgeon was slicing her belly open, she was lying there perfectly calm and relaxed. 
and the hypnotherapist was there in the room and asking her how she was feeling and where she was and she had an awareness of where she was but her main focus was seeing herself in Tahiti drinking a pina colada being perfectly relaxed and calm as the camera was showing the surgical incision and the blood coming out of the belly so profound clinical uses can sometimes occur with hypnosis under the right circumstances. Do we tend to underuse hypnosis? Is it a tool that is just not used enough by health professionals? I don't know the answer to that. There's no way of knowing who is using hypnosis, whether it's qualified, trained clinicians, whether it's laypersons, whether it's someone who has just gotten a self-help book and is using it on themselves. So it's really difficult to ascertain if it's overused or underused if it's appropriately used or if it's misused. We really don't have that data. You're absolutely correct. So it leads to the question then, what type of training is needed to, to be a hypnotist, a, a, a medical hypnotist, not one who works in a nightclub and hypnotizes people in the audience? The primary training, particularly in the, in the state of Florida, and it does vary from state to state, is you need to be licensed in a particular healing profession, whether it's psychiatry, psychology, social worker, medical doctor, and so on. So there's any number of professional healing arts that you first need to be licensed in. And then there are specific courses you can take both in the state as well as outside of the state to get specific training in the clinical use of hypnosis. One of the things that amazes people when they hear about hypnosis, and especially when it comes to chronic pain, is the power of the brain and the power of suggestion to focus away from the event that's occurring that for most people would be painful. Do we see its use in dealing with chronic pain growing? Have you had experience with patients with chronic pain that have shown significant improvement in their ability to tolerate their pain because of hypnosis? It's hard to separate out because chronic pain has so many causes and oftentimes individuals are involved in a comprehensive approach to managing their pain. But with the growth and interest in complementary and alternative medicine, hypnosis is one of a number of tools that professionals and clients look towards to not eliminate the problem, but to provide relief from it. So to that extent, and again, depending on the talent of the particular individual as well as the skill and experience of the therapist, hypnotherapy can be useful in ameliorating and reducing acute phases, acute episodes when chronic pain flares up. I've heard it said, rightly or wrongly, that being hypnotized to deal with chronic pain is simply learning how to ignore the pain, to focus away from the pain, because if there is a bad nerve in a in a lower back, that's going to continue to fire. Is it as simple as that? Were the people discussing it as it's simply learning to ignore the pain? Were they being too simplistic? That describes one way of coping with the symptom, kind of a distraction technique. So distraction techniques can be useful, but there are many other methods that can be useful as well. Sometimes it's changing the location of the pain. Using suggestions to shift the pain from one location to another location within the body. Shifting the intensity of the feeling or the sensation. There are many different ways to change and to modify the person's reaction to it. 
And so that's part of the assessment process in working with patients. It's seeing how they can use their mind in the best way to get the maximum relief. And success really does occur with good hypnosis and a good therapist and a good patient. Success really does occur. Success in terms of being able to reduce the symptoms in a case like chronic pain, for sure. In many other conditions, certain kinds of of habits like smoking, yes, success in terms of eliminating the desire and urge to smoke completely has been well documented. Very interesting. One last question that people often ask me, what's the difference between biofeedback and hypnosis? Biofeedback uses different kinds of machines that measure heart rate, blood pressure, different kinds of physiological capacities. And then depending on that feedback, the person learns to increase or decrease the particular physiological response. So it's another type of tool used to control physiological responsiveness. So we have multiple tools out there that can be used, and hypnosis is just one of them. But I had to ask about the biofeedback because people have always asked me that one is with specific machines and the other is simply with the relationship of the therapist and being put into the trance state and directed accordingly. Robert Heller is a psychologist who practices hypnotherapy in Palm Beach County in Florida. It's a fascinating area of mental health and the delivery of palliative care or restorative care, even rehabilitative care at times. I don't think that many people really know how to use it properly or adequately. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you.